This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. Splash Refresher spices up my daily water intake by putting fun and hydration in one. Because as a mom, I already have my hands full. Every Splash Refresher flavor is delicious, bright, flavorful, and zero calories. I don't waste time on flavorless water I don't enjoy. I just drink Splash and I like it. My favorite flavor is the lemon. It really does taste like lemonade. My favorite is the mandarin orange flavor. There's a flavor for everyone to enjoy. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Hello and welcome to Childproof by Betches Media. I'm Tori Phantom. And I'm Gwendolyn Leithland. This podcast is dedicated to all the parents who have lost their fear of bodily fluids, not their own. And all those who still think snot, spit, and other kid gooeyness is gross. I'm talking about myself here. Honestly, can you be both? Can you be both unbothered and icked out? I think there's a Venn diagram of what still grosses me out. (laughs) (laughs) So we get to have a first for Childproof today. But before we get to that, we have some exciting news and we need some help. Yes, Childproof has been nominated for a People's Choice Podcast Award and we need you to vote. All you have to do is go to podcastawards.com, register and vote for Childproof in the kids and family category. I checked out who is nominated, and we've got some amazing competition for this award. I know. Really amazing humans doing really amazing work, and I want to crush them. Oh, me too. Me too. So again, head to podcastawards.com, register and vote for Childproof in the kids and family category. We appreciate you, and we couldn't do this without you, friends. Okay, enough begging for votes and attention. We got to get with this episode because I want to spend as much time with this human as possible. Yes, we have a guest on this episode. And luckily, we didn't start the timer for all that. (laughs) So we're going to now start the timer. So this is a childproof first, our very first guest, and we are very lucky to be joined by an absolutely amazing human. He's a board-certified allergist and immunologist, as well as a pediatrician. He absolutely slays the bow time game and spins a mean hula hoop. We are joined today by Dr. Zachary Rubin of TikTok, Instagram, and Medical School fame. Hi, Dr. Rubin. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you both. So before we really get down to it, we do have to get this part out of the way. Nothing you're going to hear in this episode should be viewed as medical advice. We are sharing a little bit of knowledge, maybe helping you decide how or when to talk to your own doctor. But if you have concerns about anything we talk about on today's episode of Childproof, you should definitely consult your pediatrician, general physician, allergist, or medical care team. Absolutely. This is just general education, not specific medical advice. Right, right. So if you've got concerns, go ask real humans in your real life. Uh, Do not diagnose yourself off of a podcast episode. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Dr. Rubin can back this up here. I don't think any pediatrician is annoyed when a parent has a concern. I think they're like, cool. Yeah, we're here for that. (laughs) Absolutely. Pediatricians in general are on call 24 seven when they're on call for that reason, because kids get sick at any hour. And so it's really important that if you're concerned that you talk with your pediatrician about anything that's going on. I always say they would rather tell you a billion times there's nothing to worry about than miss a chance to treat or diagnose something that is something to worry about. Absolutely. Okay, so we're, we're going to really launch into something I know you are incredibly passionate about because I have watched your TikTok. I've seen so many videos about this, and I, I love the passion you have about this first question we have for you. 
<laughs> What's wrong with Benadryl? Yeah, yeah. What is wrong with Benadryl? Some people think of me as the anti-Benadryl doctor out there. Yes, because I have done this so many times because so many people are used to saying, wow, I have this allergy symptom. I'm not feeling great. I'm really itchy. I've got hives all over the place. What do I go to first? I go to Benadryl. And yes, it's been around for a very long time. It's a relatively cheap medication that's easily accessible over the counter. But we have all these newer antihistamines that are available that are engineered mm -hmm. so that they're not going to have as many side effects. And I've made countless videos about this because I constantly see either jokes about it or there's misinformation about it. And we're seeing more clinical evidence to suggest that if you're taking Benadryl for long-term use for all sorts of reasons, especially when I think not just about kids, but adults using it as a sleep aid, like Zequil as an example, is a sleep aid. People take that every day. There's now evidence to suggest that if long-term use, especially in adults, there's a risk for developing dementia or Alzheimer's disease. And I want people to be aware of those risks because just because something is sold over the counter doesn't mean it's always safe. And we have seen these TikTok trends before in the past where people take that medication in large doses to try to get some type of desired effect that they think is awesome to do, but really it's not safe at all. There's all sorts of side effects of Benadryl that are not talked about by physicians actively on social media. And I and many other allergists have talked about this all over the place. And many academic allergists have actually published in the literature talking about, hey, it's time to move on from this medication. So I'm trying to spearhead this effort for people to understand that, yeah, we've been told to do this for a long time, but we have newer, safer alternatives that are just as effective and they last longer. So when you talk about other antihistamines like Zyrtec, Zizol, Claritin, or Allegra, or the generics, they're all going to give similar benefits, but they last longer and they don't have as many side effects, which is why I'm so passionate about that, because people need to be informed about it when not, any, not everybody's talking about it. So as a follow-up to that, uh, growing up as a child of the 80s, uh, Benadryl was the answer to everything. You got some hives, you got some Benadryl. Is it true that if my kid breaks out into some sort of contact allergy, has got some hives developing, I can give them Zyrtec with the same effectiveness as what I grew up getting Benadryl? Like it's going to act just as fast on hives or those sort of immediate allergy symptoms as Benadryl is. Exactly. Uh, usually these antihistamines take about 30 to 60 minutes to really get to its maximal effectiveness. And so there are liquid versions available of Zyrtec as an example that you can give to kids uh, if, if you need to. Now, obviously you need to talk to your doctor about proper dosing. You need to make sure that you do that, especially if you have an infant, because some of them could still be used in infants, but they need to be dosed properly. So it's always important to get that recommendation. I take care of a lot of patients with food allergies. And so if there is an allergic reaction to a particular food, it's always been go to Benadryl for this. And then you would get a written action plan that says, here's the dose of Benadryl. Well, in reality, the dosing is actually easier for these newer antihistamines. It's a little bit more straightforward as long as it's written down. Um, but they come in liquid. They come in chewables just like we have for Benadryl, and, and they have very similar benefit. We actually have clinical trials comparing these different antihistamine classes, the older ones like Benadryl, and there's prescribed one called Atarax or Hydroxazine, um, which that one's sometimes used for anxiety, versus the Zyrtec, Zizol, Claritin, Allegra's. And we, we have an international audience, so sometimes I'm thrown for a loop because the names are a little <laughs> bit different in different countries. So I'm always like, what, what is that other one? I, I don't know. i got to look that up. 
So I have one more question about Benadryl. What about the ointment? Is the Benadryl ointment, does that carry the same risk? Or like, because my kid has Skeeter syndrome. I saw the collab you two did where I was like, oh, this answers so many questions. And I have used the Benadryl ointment. Does that carry the same risk? Or is that kind of different because it's topical? Right. Great question. So as a topical medicine, any kind of route of administration where it's given changes its side effect profile, but you'll see those risks oftentimes in the package label saying the same thing. Um, the topical Benadryl does not carry that same risk because you're not taking it by mouth. You're not absorbing it into the body, but you'll see other medications like steroids, which a lot of people are afraid of steroids, um, depending on how it's given, whether it's a nasal spray or by an inhaler or by mouth, it's different sets of risk, even though it's the same class of medication, but you'll see those risks written out in the package label, um, um, for all of it, just because it could potentially do that. The, it's less likely, though, if you're just squirting in your nose compared to ingesting it or taking it through an IV. That makes sense. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. With Honey Love, you can feel your best even when you're wearing less. They've revolutionized compression technology so you no longer feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they are the only shapewear that won't ever roll down, no matter how much you're on the move. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash childproof. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash childproof. When talking about shapewear, Honey Love's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It's targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. We love to see it. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash childproof. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash childproof. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. Shape your life with Honey Love. If you're a wine lover, I'm going to let you in on a little secret for finding your new favorite wines. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your wine preferences that are as unique as you are. To start, I answered a few quick questions on their website about what flavors I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé. Based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored, so I get more of what I enjoy. I really love how First Leaf tailors to my needs, and I really like cooking with wine, so I found so many different flavor profiles to include through First Leaf. Besides the great wines, the best part of the First Leaf Wine Club is the perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge and can choose when and how often I want my box delivered. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com childproof to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L. L-E-A-F dot com slash childproof. Try com slash childproof. All right. So shifting, shifting away from the Benadryl, we've established, please stop using Benadryl. There are better, healthier, safer solutions to treating allergies at home. But let's move on to, I think, probably our, our second most asked question, introducing new allergens to little littles. Is it okay to bring your baby to the hospital parking lot to introduce a new allergen? <laughs> like, should parents feel embarrassed? <laughs> yeah, we've seen that trend all the time lately. And and it seemingly goes viral and people are thinking to themselves either, 
that's a terrible idea. Why would you ever do that? Versus, oh, that's actually a really good idea. So, so what is the actual general recommendation for it? So unfortunately, the rates of food allergy have been steadily rising for the last 20 to 30 years. When we were kids, we may have known one person with yeah. a food allergy, if that, right? And, and so there's so much misunderstanding about what food allergies is, but the rates have seemingly doubled and tripled for many of these foods. So we're at the point where one out of 13 kids have a food allergy right oh now, God. and adults, it's about one out of 10, so a lot of these kids who developed food allergies are now adults. That's why we're, we're seeing that. And then adults are developing food allergies too. So it's on the minds of a lot of parents. It creates a lot of anxiety, which yeah. is understandable because you'd think we eat food. Why would this potentially cause us a potentially life-threatening situation, right? And, and people unfortunately pass away due to food allergies each year. Mind, it's, it's rare, but it happens. And, and so our immune system normally thinks that food's okay, but sometimes it thinks it's more like a parasite and it's becoming more common. So what do I tell parents about this? Really, it comes down to your comfort level of what you want to do. So uh, depending on the, the situation that you're in, your doctor may be able to watch you feed yeah. your child in office. Some are able to do that. Others would say, look, it's okay to do it at home for the vast right. majority of people. If you've got a child that has moderate to severe eczema, they're at higher risk of developing food allergy. I definitely recommend you talk to your doctor um, when they're babies about potentially early introduction of these foods between four to six months of age, if possible. That's not something that you should just do right away on your own. You need to talk to your doctor about that. We're trying to recommend earlier introduction before the age of 12 months for most of the highly allergenic foods because we have seen some really good clinical trial data over the last 10 years showing that if you tell families to feed them earlier in life versus later in life, there is a significant risk reduction in developing food allergies. It doesn't completely eliminate it. We don't fully understand this problem. It will take us time to figure out what it is, and it's most likely multiple factors, but earlier introduction seems to point towards being a protective effect. And whatever your comfort level is, it is great, but these discussions do need to be early, you know, within the first few months of life with your pediatrician. That yeah. science is so interesting. I, I remember when my middleest kiddo was a baby, she was six months old, and my older kid just fed her peanut butter and the panic I felt because you do, there is such a worry as a, as a new parent that like, what if this is going to cause an anaphylactic reaction? I remember I sat there and I just watched her for 30 minutes. I was like, I can't get the peanut butter out of her now, but now it's her favorite food. So it worked out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is normal. That is so normal to be worried as a parent about everything that goes on. That's okay. And, and what I strongly encourage parents to kind of take in is that the human body is so complicated and the immune system is extremely complicated and how our immune system interacts with our external environment versus our internal environment. We're just scratching the surface, so to speak, with understanding these things. And so if you don't know what's going on with every single interaction, that's okay. You're doing a great job. You're doing the best that you can. It's just going to take time sometimes to figure out what's going on um, if you are concerned. So if you're frustrated that you go to your doctor and you don't always get the answer right away, it may take some time to figure that out. So, so don't get discouraged when you leave a doctor's office and you're like, well, what just happened there? I feel like we didn't get anything out of that visit. But really, data collection, just like with the scientific method when you're doing experiments and we're trying to take care of children, we have to get data and process that data 
observations, what works, what doesn't work. And, and then we can come to that conclusion, but it doesn't always happen right away, unfortunately. Yeah. In fact, uh, sometimes it takes some time to realize you're allergic to stuff. So both of my littles, and now I have discovered me, we're allergic to cinnamon, but they spent probably seven to eight months after we had first like given them cinnamon applesauce just as a, an early puree, then they started reacting to cinnamon and it started with a contact rash and then their tongue started to get a little swollen. And so we talked to our pediatrician who referred us to an allergist. He's like, yeah, you have a cinnamon allergy and this does tend to be passed down. So do one of the grownups have a cinnamon allergy? I got tested. I'm the one with a cinnamon allergy. I've had cinnamon my whole life. So I am low symptomatic when I ingest cinnamon, but they reacted way worse, but it took some time. They had plenty of cinnamon up until the point that their bodies were like, mm, false, <laughs> rejected. Exactly. Exactly. So there is a bit of misconception that the first time I eat something, that's when an allergic reaction is going to happen. It is. Cinnamon allergy is a, is a stupidly, of course, my children have a stupidly specific <laughs> allergy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it, that's rare. But but anything with protein, your immune system can bind to it. It's a big enough molecule. It could bind to it and create an allergic reaction. So is it possible? Yes. And I get asked on social media all the time, all of these different things that keeps me on my toes. That's part of why I love being on social media, because I feel like I'm learning from a lot more people and can reach because I get so many questions I don't have answers to, or, or sometimes, you know, for liability reasons and safety reasons. I, I can't answer it, but there's so many different situations where these are the rarities that I don't necessarily see. And I'm a specialist. And 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 so it, it takes time to to build that knowledge base. But that that's what makes what I do a lot of fun is that I, I constantly am on my toes and learning from people. I love that. Now, so to go further into allergies uh, when we do recognize that they're there. Now, one of my kiddos is allergic to... I'll just gesture vaguely here, uh, just everything. And and that had started, we went to a yeah. friend's house who had a cat and she broke out in hives. So I called her pediatrician and I was like, I think she's allergic to cats. And she's like, well, we should go to get you to an allergist. And they did the scratch test and they had to give her a fast acting uh, medication because she was allergic to everything. Uh, so when we're talking about parents who think their kids are allergic to something and they are going to get referred to an allergist, what are some things parents can do to prepare uh, to know what's going to happen, to have an expectation, maybe to prepare their kid depending on the age? Right, right. So, and I've heard your podcast before talking about the idea that this is age appropriate, <laughs> you know, behavior. And, and so, so that's true with, with allergy as well. Um, but you'd be surprised when it comes to allergy testing, because I have seen kids where you'd expect them to do really well with the tests, like teenagers, do worse than the four-year-old. So, so it's, it's, it's not easy to predict that. Just, I, I want to make that very clear. But, but, but here are some of the general ideas of what allergy visit may be like. First off, I think it's really important families to remember that there's a lot of different things that can happen from the time that some type of reaction happens to when you get your visit. And it's a good idea to write everything down of what happened, 
the, the situation, were there any recent illnesses, any medications that were tried, what has make, made that symptom better, what's made it worse, how often is it happening? Get that kind of historical record down quickly as possible because you're going to be asked a lot of questions. Oftentimes, you write that down ahead of time and give it to, to the allergist um, or they're going to ask you a ton of questions. And many people can feel a little overwhelmed with how much we're trying to dig into things. So if you're prepared with that information up front, it'll make Make that first visit go much more smoothly and will give you more information. We all have phones now with, with, with uh, cameras and taking pictures of any rash is so important. Um, I've had families come in and tell me, oh, I have this rash and it's not present in the visit. So if I don't have a picture, it's not as easy for me to be able to tell you what my general thoughts are about said rash. Um, you will be advised to stop specific allergy medications for a certain amount of time before the visit because allergy testing is exquisitely sensitive to antihistamine. So if you took Zyrtec or Benadryl a couple days before the visit, it will actually suppress the allergy skin test that we're trying to do. And then you're going to be stuck having to reschedule that visit potentially. So be warned, if you, if you are told by the secretaries taking in your intake for a new visit, stop these medications for this amount of time, please do the best you can to avoid it. I know that's not easy, but it really will be difficult if we can't get that skin test done on that first visit. Especially with wherever you live, um, specialists can be very hard to get into. It can take a few months to get into one, depending on where you are. So that's really important. With the skin testing itself, it is a little bit of an, uh, an age-appropriate issue where we may do one step in testing or we may do two steps in testing. So the general skin test that most allergists do is called a percutaneous skin prick test. We used to call it a scratch test, but it's done a little bit differently nowadays. I will take a piece of plastic with these little teeny tiny prongs and drop little extracts like pollen, mold, cat dander, all of these different things. And then we will scratch the top layer of the skin with those extracts and wait about 15 minutes or so and see what does the body do there. If there's a potential for an allergy to that substance, you will see what looks like a mosquito bite or a little tiny hive there, which will help us figure out what's going on. Depending on the child, they're either going to be not bothered by it at all. They're going to, they're, they're going to cry um, or, or, or they may be a little bit upset by it because their perception of itch or potential burning sensation varies from child to child. It's not really painful. I've had this done to myself many times for teaching purposes. Um, I, I light up like a, like a Christmas tree um, in the past. Like I'm, I'm very allergic. I'm an allergist and I take, you know, take care of all these allergy issues for myself. But um, it's not really painful. It's just an unusual feeling. So every child's going to be feeling this differently and responding to it differently. So I would be prepared ahead of time to have games or dolls or something to keep them occupied and still, because if they're moving around, it could also make the test a little bit inaccurate. For teenagers, we may do a second step where if the first step has some negative results, we may not have gotten deep enough into the skin to create a reaction. So we may take some of those extracts at, with a very, very tiny needle and go slightly deeper into the skin. So if you've ever had a TB skin test before, that little bubble that's made there, it's very much like that type of a test, but we do that multiple times. So it takes a while to get this type of testing done. You're usually in an allergist office for at least an hour to get the initial skin testing done. It takes a lot of time. So make sure that you're prepared with things to entertain your child. Yeah, that was our experience. We were there for quite some time and we had to do the secondary testing too. And we actually, we brought the iPad. 
Like we're just going to, that is the perfect way. Cause we know kids brains turn off when they're looking at that screen. So, and that was, she, she was just uncomfortable. It was the itchiness because again, she lit up like a Christmas tree too. So, Right. Right. I can't tell you how many times lately I've seen Miss Rachel in my office, yeah. like on YouTube, <laughs> people listening to Miss Rachel and singing songs. Yeah. We are just entering that we're, we're in the, okay, this is no longer just seasonal. This is, this has become a little more broad reaching. So we're in step one of pediatrician. And I know full well, what we're going to get from the pediatrician is here's a referral to an allergist and here's a referral to an ENT. Have fun. <laughs> I know yeah. that's, that's, yeah. that's coming up in my near future for yeah. one of yeah. my kiddos. Yeah, it's unfortunately a long process, unfortunately. By the time baby number two comes, you feel superhuman. You totally have it all figured out. You got this. But then the reality sets in. It's more than twice the work and can sometimes feel like absolute chaos. It's obviously not always going to go right, but you'll take any opportunity to make it a little easier. The Honest Company has a new line of calming products for the whole family, so your little ones will go down easier and you can have a moment of honest relaxation. The Calm Collection is a line of dreamy and calming lavender products to help make you and your baby's bedtime routine smoother. They have lavender wipes to clean up sticky hands and messes, a calm lavender bath and body set that's both gentle enough for babies and soothing self-care for moms, lightweight lavender body oil to help wind down before bedtime, and fun purple printed pajamas made with 100% certified organic cotton. The sooner your little ones go to bed, the sooner you are able to relax. For a little while, anyway. Their Calm Lavender Collection is made with lavender essential oils that help calm babies before bed. And their super absorbent overnight diapers have up to 12 hours of leak protection. With a focus on sustainability and clean products, The Honest Company works with toxicologists at their in-house lab to create eco-friendly, safe, and effective products you can feel good using. Body products are naturally derived and designed for all skin types, while their diapers are made with plant-based materials that are ultra-soft and super absorbent. Good for your whole family? and your environment. Try Honest for yourself. Shop at Target, Amazon, Walmart, and Honest.com. Hydrating doesn't have to be boring. Splash Refresher spices it up by putting fun and hydration in one. Because as a mom, I already have my hands full. Splash Refreshers are delicious, bright, flavorful, and available in five craveable flavors. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and a splash of sweetness for a hydrating and delicious beverage you'll come back to again and again. My favorite flavor is the lemon. Uh, It really does taste like lemonade, so I'm getting hydrated, and it just feels like I'm drinking lemonade. Splash Refresher perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. Available in five craveable flavors, wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange, Splash Refresher is there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. There's a flavor for everyone to enjoy. They are delicious, bright, flavorful, and hydrating, and zero calories. So you can have fun flavored water without any guilt. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart, or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Can we ask you about allergy shots? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trigger you a little bit because I know part of this answer. Do allergy <laughs> shots really cure allergies? I wouldn't call it a cure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so so there, there's a, th- there is kind of, I think the way to think about allergy shots is it is disease modifying. So, so when we talk about everything with allergy care, the first step is understanding what you're sensitive to to reduce exposure to those things. Right? That's not a cure. You're just trying to avoid the trigger. The other step is taking the right medications at the right time. That's more like a Band-Aid. Again, you're not actually treating the underlying cause. 
The only thing that actually really treats the underlying cause is allergy injections where we take tiny amounts of whatever you're allergic to and introduce that by an injection and slowly increasing the doses over a long period of time. So in my practice, we're doing weekly injections to start. And as the body sees that, it starts to become bored with it. It becomes desensitized. That's, that's, that's the proper medical term for what we're doing with allergy injections. We're just essentially calming that immune system down. And when you do that for a long enough period of time and you slowly space out those injections, the immune system remembers that it doesn't really care about it as much. And you can have a long lasting effect for many years after you stop the injections for many people. The results can vary based on your health status, how old you are, where you live, did you move somewhere, because environmental shifts can can create new allergies, as an example. And so there's a lot of factors as to how well it's going to work and how long it's going to last for. So if we start a young child, let's say five, six, seven years old on injections, and they do it for like five years, they're going to do very well for the remainder of their childhood, for many of them, and then early adulthood. But then they go off to college. And college could be somewhere else in the country where there's different pollens. And then they used to have a dog, and then they don't anymore. And then they reintroduce a new dog into it. And so all these different factors cause the allergies to slowly creep back. So in my experience, I have seen people go on and off injections throughout their lives. So I have some elderly patients who have been on like their third round of injections. And now they're like, you know what? I'm on it once a month. I'm doing really well. I take a little bit of medication. I come in for you know my one injection, and I don't want to stop this anymore. I'm on I'm on like year 25 of being on injections. I don't want to do you know stop this anymore. So it varies from person to person, but it's it's definitely not a cure, but it's the only way we can actually modify that disease process. I know for me, I clearly live in the wrong place. So I live in Oklahoma and I'm allergic to most of Oklahoma, (laughs) but I've traveled to the Pacific Northwest. And when I say exact same season, completely different environment, I was not allergic to anything in the Pacific, which I don't understand because I'm allergic to mold and mold is present everywhere. But there was something about that specific environment that my allergies were just were better. They weren't gone, but they were better. And I was like, dang it, this is unfair. <laughs> See, I'm only allergic to <laughs> dust and it's a significant dust allergy. And I only remember I have it when I'm trying to do like spring cleaning and then I end up with hives and I'm like, oh, why can't dang I ever it. remember to medicate yeah. before I do this? But my kid being allergic to everything, it was, it was a very interesting experience because once she was diagnosed having allergies to everything, there were these behaviors that she had that were trying to control her own symptoms. She would make this awful sound with her throat. We thought she was just doing it for fun. No, her throat was itchy. We had no idea because she was so little at the time and she is on injections now and we've seen a big difference over the last couple of years. So it's, it's really interesting how all of that actually works in the body. Yeah. No, that's great. And and I think a lot of families need to recognize more what can allergies do to their kids long term? Because it's not just a matter of, oh, they're, they've got a runny nose, stuffy nose, they're sneezing. But bad allergies significantly negatively impact their sleep quality. If you've got a stuffy nose throughout the day, it's sure going to be there at nighttime. And then they're breathing through their mouth. And that's not a comfortable way to sleep at night, especially for kids. They really want to breathe through their nose to get the best oxygen quality that's humidified air, really helps them sleep comfortably. They may have obstructive sleep apnea. They, They may be having pauses in their breathing that you don't know about. If you've got a child and they're telling you they're really thirsty in the morning and they've got a dry mouth every morning, 
have your doctor take a look at that because that's a sign that they have such severe congestion that they're breathing through their mouth. It's drying out their gums. And then I like to joke with families. I'm like, then I get calls from the dentist getting mad at me because they got all this gum disease because their nose isn't under good control. Um, All of this is connected. You know, the, the the, the baggy dark circles on the eyes, well, we're all tired, right? You can get it from that. But it also could be severe congestion that's that's going on. And when you leave that unchecked, you've got higher risks of sinus infections, ear infections, missed school days. Nobody wants your, their child to miss school, right? So the, the quality of life and, and the time that parents miss because they got to take care of their children because they're sick, all those things need, need to be taken under consideration to talk with their doctor about ways to improve their symptoms. Yeah. That was actually one of the first... I mean, aside from realizing just how long we'd been on the Zyzal Allegra Claritin circle, one of the first signs that we that triggered us to, oh, we need to look deeper into this, was we caught my son snoring. And not just snoring because there was a cold, but like he was otherwise healthy. He's four. He has no business snoring. So we're like, okay, wait, this this is a thing. Uh, we need we need to go look into it. Yeah. And I think I think when you're right. someone like me who doesn't really have seasonal allergies. I, I feel very lucky about that now that I know more about allergies. <laughs> but when when you don't have that experience and you have this child who is just a little stuffy and they don't seem really sick, they just kind of have these like low-key symptoms. And so you just kind of brush it off, right? Like you're not, it's, it's not that you're ignoring it. It's just they, they seem otherwise fine and you're not recognizing. Like I had a, a bit of guilt when we recognized that my kiddo was allergic to everything because I just had no idea that was happening. And so learning about that, like it isn't just sniffly nose, it is a whole body illness that's happening and there is treatment and there are doctors and it can be a hassle to spend two hours in the allergist office, but it is worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, as a specialty, there's very few of us around actually. There's only about 7,000 of us for the general population. And of that, I don't even I don't even know how many are pediatric specialists like me. So you can be, this is one of the few specialties that's allowed to do this. You can be an internal medicine adult doctor and train that way after medical school and take care of kids and vice versa. So I'm a pediatric trained doctor. I take care of mostly kids, but I can take care of adults. It's only uh, allergy, sleep medicine, and palliative care that are allowed to do that in medicine. So it's, it's a unique specialty, but there's a, there's a big need, especially with the way our climate is shifting. You know, you've probably seen my content talking about these wildfires coming from, from Canada that's affecting the air quality, an unprecedented summer. Um, I'm in Illinois and I was talking with someone who used to work at the Illinois EPA, and he said, we have never had statewide air quality alerts before. This has never, never happened, um, ever. And, and so a lot of people are, are becoming more attuned to their, their respiratory health, to their sinus health, um, and it really does make, unfortunately, makes people sick. And so we have to do the best we can to alert people about these issues. Uh, more and more people every year keep saying, I have allergies that I've never had before. This is the worst year it's ever been, and it's going to keep going that direction, unfortunately. Can we talk about the myth of hypoallergenic pets? Yes. <laughs> there are lots of myths. <laughs> this, yeah. this one drives me nuts because my kiddo, her, her biggest allergies are cats and dogs. And I, I know people that are like, well, my, my dog is hypoallergenic, so you can bring her to my house. And I'm like, no, it's not. Go to the ER because that's how bad her reaction is. It's, it's not. Yeah. There's so many different things that causes the allergy. And so I don't know where that comes from. But yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I imagine it came from the pet, pet industry, to be honest. No hate to the dog moms. No hate to the cat moms. We love you. But your cat and dog is not hypoallergenic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So so there's a big confusion about what, what that is. So people think, oh, it means that they make less allergens or they don't make allergies. It's a very confusing term. So any allergist will say the same thing, which is this. Cats and dogs, which are the most commonly owned pets, they produce most of their allergens in the saliva, not in the dander or or the fur, you know, shedding versus non-shedding. Um, we've actually had clinical studies where we compare dogs that are labeled as hypoallergenic traditionally versus those that aren't. And they produce roughly around the same allergen. And even those that are labeled as hypoallergenic sometimes make more allergens. Oh. Um, so, so this has been very frustrating for me, especially over the last few years, especially when we were in lockdown in 2020, people were adopting pets at very high rates to have a companionship, which is understandable, but a lot of people ended up doing it even though they had allergies or didn't realize that they did and they couldn't take care of those issues. So we've had many pets, unfortunately, be given up uh, to shelters or being rehomed. And that's really, really tough on, on, on these pets. It's really, really sad to see that. And so whenever I see people trying to say, oh yeah, go get this, this dog or cat because they're truly hypoallergenic, I, from time to time, I'll take that and say, I'm going to call you out on that. And this is why, um, because I want people to understand that a lot of people have allergies to pets and we are starting to get some breakthroughs in terms of new ways to help reduce allergen exposure. There's now a cat allergy food that's out on the market. There's actually cat allergy vaccines wow. being developed in the animals themselves. You know, so there, there are there are there are ways to to address this that we're we're looking more and more into. But but please don't get this false impression that somehow this dog, this breed is going to be okay for you. You really have to talk with your, your doctor or allergist about, you know, what are the risks of doing that, you know, in terms of testing and, and deciding how you're going to go about homing an animal. I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get to enjoying some time in the sun, but springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have seasonal allergies. My husband has seasonal allergies. So from about April till June, we all sound like this just constantly. This is what we sound like without Claritin. It helps so much with being able to enjoy springtime and outside without running a water faucet for a nose. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. On the topic of pets, I know from our experience with allergy testing, the, the only animals that are tested for, at least where we went, was cats and dogs. Now, since then, we adopted pet rats because somehow my kid is not allergic to them, which was a wonderful surprise. But when it comes to animals, should you assume that if you are sensitive to cats and dogs that you would also be allergic to other pets that have fur? Yeah, that's a great question. So is it possible that if you've only been tested for cats and dogs, could you potentially be allergic to other animals like horses, guinea pigs, mice, those exactly. So there is a level of what we call cross reactivity, meaning the protein structure from from one animal could be similar to those of others. So as a clear example, cats they're related to tigers and lions. And and theoretically, there is some cross-reactivity there. Now, most people aren't going to you know, be exposed to that unless they go to a zoo. Um, but but some of some of that is there, uh, but it's not always necessarily one-to-one that you're automatically going to be allergic to horses just because you're allergic to cats or dogs. And so depending on the allergist that you go to, like for me, I test for feather, I test for horses, I test for guinea pig in addition to those pets uh, routinely. Um, I don't test for mice usually, uh, but there's blood tests that you can seemingly order for most animals if you're interested in getting that done. And, and from time to time, I, I will order that for patients that have other types of pets if we don't cover it. So on that same note, so my husband is allergic to cats, but he's the kind of allergic that if he knows he's going to a, a cat space, he can pop an Allegra and be fine as long as he avoids touching them, petting them, messing with their toys. It's not foolproof, but he's not feeling like he's dying the whole time he's in this space because you know a visit to a cat owner's was perhaps unavoidable. But we hear a lot on the internet, which is not a medical resource and we should stop, listening to everything we hear on the internet, which is a bold statement from people talking on the internet to you. But we hear about exposure therapy. So I'm sure you followed the the carrot girl from a few years ago where she was allergic to carrots and exposure therapied herself by taking a small amount of carrot until she was asymptomatic or anaphylactic, which felt like the shittiest game of roulette ever. Does exposure therapy yeah. work? You're you're pl- you're you're playing with fire there because uh, so so just to go back to the injections and to to compare so that we we kind of have a whole whole understanding of this the route of administration how how you are exposing yourself matters and so side effects can can vary if you're trying to expose yourself to animals so especially if you have asthma or other respiratory diseases and it can be triggered by that animal dander you could run the risk of going into an asthma attack. So, so there's high risk of doing something like that. Could it potentially in the future make your symptoms better? Sure, that's possible because exposure to things can make things better, but it's a matter of what is the risk-benefit profile. And it's highly risky for many people to just say, well, I've got a pretty bad cat allergy. I wheeze. I'll, I'll, I'll go hang out with uh, these cats for just like a couple minutes. Let's just see what happens. And then you know, maybe I'll tolerate it. Maybe I won't. Versus 
if we're doing it through injections, I'm giving you such a tiny amount to start and we're introducing it to your immune system in a different way. It's not by inhaling it, right? It's not putting on your skin. We're, we're putting it into the bloodstream, just a teeny amount. So that, that part of your immune system gobbles it up and looks at it as like, I haven't seen this before. Oh, okay. Move along now. Right. Maybe in a rare instance, it might say, oh, my gosh, this is terrible attack. And then, you know, a severe reaction could potentially happen. So theoretically, with allergy injections, it's a rarity, but you could have a severe allergic reaction to it. But for most people, it's it's safe. Yeah, that's at our allergy office to get the injections. We actually have to have an EpiPen. It is a requirement just in case. They're like, it's very rare, but we want to make sure that you are prepared, that everyone is prepared because it can happen. And, and that's the comfort is that it is so controlled. Right. So essentially, if you're allergic to something, don't continuously eat it, hoping you're going to be unallergic to yeah, it. Don't, don't do that. Right. That's one of my biggest pet peeves on social media is people saying, I'm allergic to shellfish and I'm going to eat this thing and let's see what it looks like on camera. And and sometimes you actually see people reacting and that's very scary. And also just, it gives a bad message to people saying, th- to people thinking it's okay versus other people just make fun of it. And that's not good either because it's further stigmatizing allergy. And, and there's a lot of stress and anxiety that goes around food allergy in general. And, and, it, and it's often made the butt of jokes. And I think that's really, really wrong. Yeah, it's, it's not right. And now speaking of social media, I am an avid watcher of your videos. I especially love the hula hoop. Very cool. And so I, I've seen a few videos you've posted in regards to like mislabeled medication allergies. And I had a question about that too, because I think when it comes to medication allergies, should they be diagnosed by an allergist or is your family doctor okay? And I know we had an experience. One of my kids was mislabeled with a penicillin allergy because she got this rash. Turns out she was on antibiotics for strep and then came down with fifth's disease. So she got a rash and we mm. didn't realize she mm-hmm. wasn't allergic until my other kid got the rash. And I was like, allergies aren't contagious. <laughs> so we were able to, to remove that. But so if, it, if we're afraid of a medication allergy, what route should we take? Or should we just say, mark it off, we'll never take that again, just in case? Right. So it's always best to talk with your doctor first about any concerns that you have. And then if you're saying to yourself, you know, I need a little bit more specialty care, then an allergist should take a look at it. Um, Allergists are one of the only specialists that really look at drug allergies closely. And part of the reason why is because there is a lot that goes into figuring out whether somebody is allergic to a medication. And we don't necessarily have testing available to look at all these drugs. Penicillin is one of the few that we actually have a skin test that we can use, but there's more research going into figuring out, should we even be doing skin testing for most people? Because it's very invasive, expensive, time-consuming, very hard to get for a lot of people, uh, especially depending on where you live. And there was actually a clinical trial that was published a few days ago, looking at these low-risk patients of people like what you were speaking about, Tori, which is, well, they, they had a rash around the time they were taking this medication, but they also had an infection. The infection can cause the rash. So that could be considered low risk potentially. And so do we have to do a skin test and, and spend all this time and effort to do that? Or can we just 
have them try it again in our clinic and watch them for an hour. We're finding that there's similar results. A negative skin test versus just trying it straight to trying it, very similar results. We actually do have a little bit of a public health problem when it comes to penicillin allergy because it's often overdiagnosed. And a lot of times people in my comment section will say, no, you're wrong, I'm definitely allergic. And I'm saying, you know, if we if we have a population of 330 million people and 10% of them report that they have a penicillin allergy, which is what we estimate, that's a lot of people. And and so then if we test them, we find that 90% of them are probably not allergic. So that's millions of people who think they have it but don't. So there's still going to be several million that do, but we need to cut that down because there are a lot of people who develop antibiotic resistance with these other types of antibiotics. They have to spend more. There's more um, costs to these to these antibiotics. We find an association that those with penicillin allergy stay in the hospital longer. They're sicker. They have higher risk of mortality um, when they just carry that label. So, so if you are somebody who has a vague remembrance of something that they were told as a child 20, 30 years ago that they had some type of reaction, you don't even know what it is, or you had a family member who was labeled with a penicillin allergy and you were told never to take it, right? These are situations that are very common. You need to talk with your doctor about potentially delabeling that. Now, is this true for all medications? No, it's not. But I'm talking specifically about penicillin. Okay. That makes a lot. Of, and I think it goes back to, to that general fear surrounding allergies. It is very anxiety inducing. And if you feel like you might, of course, you're going to say, I'm not going to try it because I know what allergies can do. But I, I love that recommendation. Like talk to your doctor because it might be a mislabeling. That was our timer. Wow, that went by fast. That went by really, really fast. Dr. Rubin, thank you so much for joining us on Childproof. This has been, I thought I knew what to expect from this episode uh, because I am an avid watcher of your content. No, whole new things. I learned a bunch of new things today. So thank you so much for that. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for being here. And if you are not already following Dr. Rubin, you absolutely should. He has so much valuable information and he can lift weights while hula hooping. Also the bow ties. Very cool. (laughs) Um, If people are not following you, how can they follow you and where are you on social media? Yeah, so my handle is the same throughout all the platforms that I'm on. It's Rubin, R-U-B-I-N, underscore allergy. And so I'm primarily on TikTok and Instagram, but you can find me on YouTube. I, I just joined Threads, yes. so we're kind of checking that out. Um, so those are the, the main places that I'm at right okay. now. And if you've got suggestions on guests, experts, or topics you'd like us to explore on Childproof, please email us at childproof at betches.com. And thank you again for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast and leave us a rating. It helps us grow. Find us across all social media. Of course, Dr. Rubin at Rubin underscore allergy at Tori Phantom at Mama Cusses and at Betches Moms across TikTok and Instagram. And remember, sometimes our kids are snotty, slimy, sneezy assholes. And sometimes it's us. Childproof is produced by Rebecca Salzmacat and Sean Kilby. Editing by Basilio Perez. Social media by Lauren Salome. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow us at at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your email to moms at betches.com.
Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy, perfectly blending refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. Available in five craveable flavors, there's a flavor for everyone to enjoy. My favorite flavor is the lemon. The mandarin orange is my favorite flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches.